0: Please join me in our responsive welcome. No matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. No matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. No matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here.
1: And you are wanted and you are valued here. Stories of faith that connect us. We have stories of faith that connect us, whether you're in Connecticut, or Colorado, the United States, or Europe, or anywhere in the world.
0: There's a psychologist, John Gottman, of the Gottman Institute in, I believe, Seattle, somewhere in Washington. He um, has become pretty well known for his ability to predict the success or failure of marriages. And so um, he can spend a few minutes with a couple and then accurately predict 90% of the time whether they will still be married in five years or not. No pressure. (laughs) Um, And he does this by looking for a few specific things. And one of the things that he looks for is this category that he has grouped as the four horsemen of the marriage apocalypse. (laughs) Today we are reading a passage in the Bible that is Paul's version of the four horsemen of the church apocalypse. And he is pointing out for us the qualities and characteristics among people of the church that will allow a community to flourish. Let us hear those words for us
1: today. The reading of this morning is from Ephesians chapter 4 verse 25 through Ephesians chapter 5 verse 1a. So then, putting away all falsehood, let us all speak the truth to our neighbors, for we are members of one another. Be angry, but do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, and do not make room for the devil. Thieves must be, must give up stealing. Rather let them labor and work honestly with their own hands, so that they have something to share with the needy. Let no evil talk come out of your mouths, but only what is useful useful for building up, as there is need, so that your words may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with which you are marked with a seal for the day of redemption. Put away from your bitterness, and wrath, and anger, and wrangling, and slander together with all malice and be kind to one another tender-hearted forgiving one another as God in Christ has forgiven you therefore be imitators of God
0: it wasn't a surprise that honesty made Paul's list of things to do for a healthy church it was right up there near the top speak truth to your neighbor and I think that is so true because honesty is the bedrock on which love is built. Poet Alice Walker tells a story of a childhood experience that I think will be familiar to many of you. At age three or four, she broke a family treasure. And when her dad came in and asked her what happened, she weighed out, was she going to tell the truth? Was she going to blame it on one of the other kids? Later on, she writes, I remember that he asked me if I had done it. And I looked at him and I thought, wow, this person I really love would be very happy if I had not broken this thing. On the other hand, he was looking at me with such expectancy that I found myself coming up to meet his expectancy with a real need to tell the truth because that is the most wonderful feeling there is. And she described how in that moment her father beamed at her and then she ends at her story with this deep wisdom, saying, it is possible that if you tell the truth not only will you be delivered yourself from the prison of untruth but the person who hears the truth will also be opened and can be delighted we don't often imagine other people being delighted with our honesty that is why we find it so hard to be truthful statistics say that most of us will lie two to three times in a 10 minute conversation that number includes white lies which makes it a little more understandable but it also makes it a little more troubling if we can't tell the truth about how we're feeling today or whether we love our jobs or if we're way over our heads at school how much harder is it going to be to tell the truth when something big comes up the choice To be honest is always a choice to build relationship and every time we choose between the truth and a cover-up we are choosing between construction or destruction EMT Matthew O'Reilly gives this poignant talk about the power of honesty in times of crisis as a first responder in New York City it has been his work to be with total strangers as they are dying Early in his career, when he would arrive on the scene of a car accident or a heart attack and the person would say to them, Am I dying? He would answer no, because he didn't want to ruin their last moments for them. And he thought that by telling them that they would be fine, he was giving them hope. And he was preventing them from dying in a state of panic. So he recalls this moment of epiphany when he realized that it was not his place to comfort the dying with lies instead he started telling people the truth about their injuries and what he discovered was that most people used those final moments well they said goodbye they asked for forgiveness they recounted their legacy in the moment of death which is a universal fear people were better served by the truth than by a well intentioned comfortable and comforting lie, which makes me wonder where are the places in our lives that would be better served by the truth than by a well-intentioned, comfortable lie. Even as I say that, I am aware that honesty has a bad sign. And you know what I mean if you have ever been hurt by someone's brutal honesty. There's a stage that some kids go through where they experiment with this particular kind of power play, and it goes something like, I don't like your shirt. Why are you upset? I'm just being honest. It's not pleasant when kids go through it and it's really hard when they don't outgrow it. (laughs) We know adults, maybe some of us who still leverage, I'm just being honest when they have said something truly hurtful about or to someone. There's a quote, honesty is the cruelest game of all because not only then can you be honest, You can hurt someone to the bone, and then you can feel self-righteous about it at the same time. Honesty can be wielded like a weapon just as well as dishonesty can. And I think it's unique in Paul's list of uh, church apocalypse (laughs) criteria in that it can be overdone as easily as it can be underdone. That will also undo a church or any community that we are part of. And it's important to keep in mind that Paul's intent teaching here isn't just virtue for virtue's sake. It's an ethic. It's about how do we live out our life in service to the church. And so the choice to tell the truth is always balanced with this intention. I think it's helpful in Buddhism, which also has a teaching about avoiding false speech. The abhaya Sutra categorizes the things that a Buddha shouldn't say. And it starts with the obvious, the things that we have already talked about this morning. We shouldn't say words that are untrue. And we shouldn't say words that are untrue even if they feel good to say them, which is white lies. But then it goes on to name two other things. In the category of false speech are words that are true but are not beneficial to somebody else. In other words, that brutal honesty when we wield it more for our edification than for the benefit of the hearer. I have been on the receiving end of that, but I think it is more honest to say that I have also done that. For me, I do it when I need to be in control of a situation or I'm feeling wounded myself. We all have those triggers and I think we are well-served to know what they are. That is also speaking truth to and for ourselves. But the second interesting nuance in the Buddhist teaching against this false speech is a command to avoid words that are known to be factual and beneficial, but are not yet at the right time to say them it may be true and it may need said but speaking truth to our neighbors doesn't mean unloading on them it feels good for a minute maybe but it's not edifying the truth that we speak to our neighbor is always always grounded in the fact that we and they are children of God and there is pain and beauty wrapped up in being on that journey together several years ago I read an article in a Christian magazine by a mom and it was titled speaking truth to my children the scene was a typical one which you can imagine if you have ever been a child maybe even if that memory is a little fuzzy if you have watched a child misbehave in a grocery store because the kid in question was being horrible I think as she described it, there was some name-calling and there was screaming and there was all the guilty pleasure of just letting go of pent-up emotion when you're five or six. And then, in that moment of wrestling with how do I control this situation, the mom, after what I can only imagine are long years of prayer and practice, turned to that child and she swept them up in a hug and she said to them, I love you. And there is nothing you can do to change that talk about speaking truth to your neighbor it's a pretty powerful moment of honesty and while I would guess that later on the parent eventually had to address the bad behavior in that moment in the moment of anger and of anxiety and frustration she could have spoken any manners of truth but she chose to speak The most important truth. That, I think, is the deeper call of Paul's advice. Speak the truth to your neighbor, but make sure it is the most important truth for that moment. That is how we build the church, and it's how we make the kingdom come alive, day by day, truthful block by truthful block. May it be so with all of us.
1: Friends, Now go to be
0: people of peace, tellers of truth, and delight in the relationships that unfold. As you go, may the road rise up to meet you. May the wind be always at your back. May the sun shine warmly on your face and the rains fall softly on your field. And until we meet again. May God hold you in the palm of their hand. Go in peace.